Good morning, everyone. Welcome to the Thursday, December 3rd edition of the MMA OB Daily Podcast. I'm your host, as always, Adam Martin, and I'll be taking you guys through the latest in the world of mixed martial arts. There's no uh, there's no event other than the UFC, really, this weekend, major event. There's no Bellator. There's no PFL or anything like that. Uh, I believe there is an LFA card, but I don't see odds up for it, unfortunately. So today, it's going to be a different kind of show. It's not going to be me breaking down a bunch of fights. It's going to be me looking ahead at some fights. Uh, you guys know I love to do the fight announcements, and I'm going to do a bunch of them. There's There was a bunch of fight announced uh, for early 2021 recently, even some later this month as well. So I'll be breaking down all those fight announcements. And there's a bunch of news as well, so I'll be talking about all that news. But it's not a traditional breakdown show today because, quite frankly, there is nothing to break down as of this moment. But I do got to say that on Tuesday, myself and Cole Shelton, we broke down the entire UFC on ESPN 19, a.k.a. UFC Vegas 16. We broke down that whole card on Tuesday. Great podcast, so definitely check it out if you want to hear my thoughts on the 11 fights taking place this weekend inside the Octagon. But uh, like I said, that was on Tuesday. Uh, I will start with that card, though, just because it is this weekend. is the big card of the weekend. Um, really no uh, no issues so far. We haven't had any COVID-19-related pullouts. We haven't had any injury-related pullouts. So as of right now, this card looks like it's going to go and forge ahead with uh, 11 fights. Now, of course, the weigh-ins are tomorrow morning, Friday morning, so you never know. And it seems like, at least since the pandemic, uh, since the restart, since the pandemic began back in May, uh, it feels like every card's had at least one fight fall off. So I'm not going to be surprised if that happens here. But as of right now, fingers crossed, guys, knock on wood, no issues. So that's good. Uh, Again, you guys can check out my full thoughts on that card on Tuesday with Cole. Now, uh, let me start with MMAoddsbreaker.com. I'm going to go to pull that out here. Because that's the home of my podcast and our podcast here. It's all it's all of our podcasts. Chrome tab. Let's do this. Let's go to Oddsbreaker. That's showing up there. Good. Try this. Nope. There we go. This might be a little better. No, this is better. Okay. So as far as Oddsbreaker goes, yeah, check out the, the site. That's the podcast, obviously. I have my opening odds. I want to plug those right there for Vittori and Hermanson. Again, I'm a little surprised that Vittori open is a fair, but he's kind of held steady right now. He's still favored, so... You know, maybe I'm missing something with that fight, but you guys can hear my uh, take on that on the Tuesday show, which is right here. And uh, that, like, not a lot right now. Like, there's not a ton, but I definitely want to point out that. And also, my full breakdown for the main event will be dropping today on maoddsbreaker.com. So that's my home. I got to give love to maoddsbreaker.com. That's why I'm showing them first. That's our home. Let's start with go to uh, let's go to bjpen.com. Do some news now, guys. There's a lot of news to talk about. Really, like, uh, I don't even know where to begin because there's so much that happened the last couple of days. Um, We'll start with this. TJ Dillashaw admits he would have been able to justify EPU, EPO use if he'd never been caught. I mean, this guy, unbelievable, right? Like, you know, I don't think any of us thought, really thought he was a guy that was juicing or, or taking PEDs, and then obviously he he was, and he admitted it. Um, I like TJ. I met him years ago. He fought at UFC 152. I want to say it was against Wyle Watson. Is that the fight? Let me, let me double check. It was the, the uh, Jones and Vitor Belfort card. UFC 150, no, 158, 150, okay, he fought at UFC 158, TJ Dillashaw, that was uh, Diaz St. Pierre knocked out Issei Tamura, I remember that one, but he also fought, or someone, I think he cornered someone at UFC 152, who was it? Hmm. I'm just looking at that card right now, honestly, I can't, I can't even remember, but I remember meeting him in downtown Toronto that day, walking down the street, and I started talking to him, and he was with Justin Buckholes, I believe. I'm just trying to remember who who was on the car that they were cornering. But either way, I remember meeting him, and 
I've, oh, it's Benavidez. I, I don't even know why I'm forgetting that because obviously they don't train together anymore. But Joseph Benavidez, they were cornering him, and he lost a split decision to Demetrius Johnson, who I remember had as a as an underdog in that fight. He was actually the underdog in the first fight. Um, yeah, I remember meeting TJ though on the street, and I talked to him, and I was like, "Hey, how's it going, man?" And he was super cool. This was eight years ago. Um, I think he's a he's a good guy, but you know, clearly, based on his comments here, uh, I mean, he's a guy that clearly was cheating the system, but. He's not the only guy who's cheated. There's a lot of other guys that were cheating too. So, you know, you can't just point the finger at TJ, but obviously he's a guy that got caught. When you get caught, you get the finger pointed at you. So that's unfortunate. Um, let's look at some other stuff here. Mike Tyson opened as a betting favorite in a potential trilogy fight with Vander Holyfield. I saw the line this morning. I think it was minus 325 or minus 350. Holyfield was like plus 275, I think. Um, yeah, I mean, listen, there was actually uh, some odds that came out for this uh, as far as who Tyson would fight next. Now, I did an article for odds.com. I don't think it's up yet. It should come up like today or tomorrow. And there was a bunch of options, like some very unrealistic, like Conor McGregor and Anthony Joshua, guys like that, Logan Paul. But there were some realistic options, like Lennox Lewis, for instance. Like that's a possible fight. But the one fight that really stands out to me, guys, if Mike Tyson is going to fight again, is this Holyfield fight. I just think it makes a lot of sense for both guys. Now, I know Vander's older at 58. And based on the comments I read, people are concerned about his health and well-being. Like, Apparently, he has trouble speaking now, which is super concerning. So if that's the truth, then I don't know if the commission would even sanction that fight, even if it is an exhibition. But, you know, the odds on Holyfield being Tyson's ex-opponent is only minus 150. Like, I don't really see anyone else who would fight. I think it would only be Tyson and Holyfield. Like, I just don't really see another realistic fight unless they run back this Jones fight. I don't think they will, though. I think they'll find a new opponent for Tyson. And this is happening, guys. Like, it's going to happen. Mike Tyson will fight again because... You look at this, um, I don't see it here, but it's on the main page right now. But uh, Snoop Dogg announced yesterday there that he's basically creating a boxing promotion called the Fight Club with Triller. So I 100% Mike Tyson expect, uh, expect him to find their next card for sure. You'll probably see Jake Paul fighting that card too. Like they're pouring a lot of money in this. They're making a lot of money. I mean, that's the next thing I want to go to. I want to skip some other news. I'll come back to it. But I really want to get to the story that I uh, wrote on was it like Friday night, I think. Or sorry, not Friday night. Uh, Tuesday night, pay-per-view numbers. Pick up these numbers, guys. I mean, they were they were huge. It's right here. Mike Tyson Jones Jr. did 1.2 million buys. That's according to Dan Raphael, who is like a top boxing insider, I guess. He used to write for ESPN. That's huge. That is huge. And that could actually be low based on some other reports we saw from like Damian Martin, who had some other sources saying that could actually be low. This card did amazing. I mean, these guys did great. Both the fighters they got did really good, and, and the promoter too. Not only did these guys do good, Tyson Jones and obviously Jake Paul. I'm sure Nate Robinson made a lot of money. We even saw Rashad Coulter, whose fight fell off. He tweeted out yesterday that he received double his show money, and he didn't even fight because his opponent got sick with COVID-19. So that's good, and that, that shows that this promotion made a lot of money for this card especially. So, you know, I don't think it's a one-off, guys. I, I can't say that. That's what's going to happen here. I think they're going to do at least another card and probably more cards than that. Um, there's definitely like an appetite for this. People want to watch fights with big names. There's no bigger name in combat sports than Mike Tyson. Roy Jones, obviously a huge name too. So to me, there was a lot that helped this card, those big names. Also, people are staying home during the pandemic. And as Dan pointed out in his uh, report, the $50 price point is, is really nice, I think, for fans too. Like UFC is a little too pricey, I believe. I think it's like seventy or eighty bucks now, right? So to me, that's that's too pricey. Fifty bucks is like a really good, solid 
price that people can afford to justify and take a shot on something. When it's 80, I think the average person is going to be like, I don't know if I want to spend that much. But for 50 bucks, I think for most people, that's a huge difference for like the normal average working person. The difference between 50 and 80 bucks is a big difference. So it's like almost double, right? So to me, you know, you could look at the UFC and, and you look at some of their numbers and they're not good. I mean, there's been some cards that were great, like obviously the Usman card, but some cards, I think they could have did a lot more numbers had they dropped the price on them. I don't know if the UFC will do that, but I'm just saying it's an option because yes, um, right now they, you know, whatever it is, let's say the baseline is like, you know, for most pay-per-views these days is what, like 300,000. It's not that much, but if they dropped it to five fifty bucks, maybe you sell 500,000. And obviously you wouldn't have, okay. You'd have, uh, so many people watching it at the $80 price point, you'd have more people watching it at the $50 price point, but maybe you'll make the same amount of money, but more people would watch it. So it's actually a good thing. In a way, there's an extra benefit to that because more people are watching it. So more people are talking about it, more people are getting involved, which leads to extra uh, sales of merchandise and, and just being a fan of the sport. So to me, there's a lot of benefits to dropping the price point of pay-per-views to 50 bucks. I just think in 2020, 2021 is coming up, I just feel like pay-per-view is such an outdated model. And I've talked about this many times, like for like the last probably 10 years, I've talked about this. Uh, I just feel like it's an outdated model. I know that they've gone to obviously ESPN plus now. And, and I thought that when they did that, even when they went to fight pass five years ago, or whatever it was, I thought that that was like uh, a sign that, Hey, we're going to go to a streaming type of model like WWE does, but instead they just continue to, to demand fans pay these, these crazy prices. I think, because if you look at it and yeah, you know what? And I said this the other day, I think that the majority of the UFC pay-per-views end up being worth the money. I will say that. And I've bought many pay-per-views over the years. Um, and most of them have been worth the money. It's been a handful that haven't been. But in general, I just feel like it's an outdated model. Like, they're already making so much money from the ESPN deal. Do, do, is this really necessary? I just think it'd be better if the sport just went to a pure streaming type model. Like, you pay, you know, 10 or 20 bucks a month, you get to watch all the cards. Just an idea. I mean, obviously, UFC, they're, they're great at their business. Dana White and, and Co., they make a lot of money. They know what they're doing. They know more than me. I'll tell you that right now. Like, I'm just a, a pundit, right? They're they're the business people. They're making millions and billions of dollars here. But uh, I just feel like as a fan, as a someone who watches the sport and as someone who, who does look at the trends, the majority of people I know don't want to pay money for pay-per-views. They don't especially want to pay 80 bucks. So, Based on this, the 1.2 million, if you have a big name and the price is reasonable, I think you're going to sell a lot of pay-per-views. So, you know, you can say what you want about these guys and the, and the promoter trailer and everything, but this was that home run of an event. It was huge for Mike Tyson, Roy Jones Jr., and huge for this boxing in general. According to Dan Raphael, it's the biggest boxing event in quite a long time, possibly since the McGregor and, and, and uh, Mayweather fight. I'm not 100% sure about that, but it, I know for a fact, according to Dan, that it beat the Wilder and Fury fight from last year, which did 850000 So this was actually uh, a much bigger pay-per-view than that, if you think about it, which is it's impressive. I mean, obviously, those guys are better fighters right now, Wilder and Fury, but fans, they recognize the Tyson name. They want to watch Mike Tyson fight. That's why this card sold 1.2 million pay-per-views. I mean, that's pretty damn impressive. So there's a lot. And I mean, like I said, this is just going to dovetail in other fights. Like, you look at this, Evander Holyfield, like I just mentioned, um, and obviously that right there, but also Buster Douglas. This is the guy that knocked out Tyson 30 years ago. Holy crap. I was two years old. I was two when he knocked him out. And they're still talking about a rematch 30 years later. You know, George Foreman's out there. I don't think he wants to fight again. I think he's just talking. But, you know, Buster Douglas is, is a potential option. But again, you know, he's, I think, 60 years old. He says he could be in shape in six to eight weeks. I don't know about that. But apparently Buster's still training guys and Columbus still training amateur boxers. So. 
he's probably in decent shape. But again, it's not just physically the kind of shape these guys are in. It's also mentally. Can they pass like brain tests, brain scans? I don't know. I mean, I, I, Tyson obviously and Roy Jones did. They seem to be mostly all there, those two guys. But, you know, from what I saw, a lot of fans were worried about Vander Holyfield when I posted this article. I looked at the comments on Facebook and they were like, have you seen Vander's recent interviews? The guy can't bring a, like a sentence together, which is extremely concerning if he wants to fight again. But again, if that's the case, I don't think the commission would even allow the fight. But from what I'm seeing right now, this does seem like the fight that would probably happen first, the Vander Holyfield, Mike Tyson. All right, what else we got here? Um, Fight Island. got to do this one. I think Cole broke this story, actually. Fight Island, UFC's going back, and it's going to be good stuff, guys. I'm excited for this. Going back in January, here we go. You say UFC to start 2021 on Fight Island. And Cole broke the story. Good job, Cole. Uh, three cards. January 16th, that's the Holloway Cater card. And then Cater, I should say. And then 23rd is the Poirier McGregor card. But there's also going to be a card on Wednesday, which is what, the 20th or something? So that'll be another card. And I don't think there's a main event for that card yet, but obviously there's a lot of options out there right now. I mean, Kamzat Kamaya versus Leon Edwards could very well be rebooked for that card. I think that makes sense if Leon is feeling better. I'll talk about him in a second here. So that's a possibility. Curtis Blades and, and Derek Lewis, I mean, that fight's got to be rebooked. And I would like to see that fight for five rounds personally. So that could headline that card as well, but maybe there could be a surprise as well. I and mean, there's a lot of options right now. So it is cool they're going back to Fight Island. It's just three events, but it's pretty sweet they're going back. I'm excited about it. And you should be too. I mean, the Fight Island events have been awesome. What else do we got here? Yeah, I mean, we should talk about Leon. Obviously, he tested positive for COVID-19. And he issued a statement. Right? Basically, what he said was, you know, I'm feeling bad. I'm feeling okay. You know, I really appreciate everyone's comments and concern. Um, he just said it's been a really rough year, but a lot of people are going through things way worse. And, and I love that he said perspective. He said something like, I've come from the mud, so I know how this feels or something like that. Um Listen, I love Leon. He's great, man. It's just really unfortunate he got sick with COVID. It's funny because, not funny, but it's ironic because there was a report on the weekend that it was Kamzat that got COVID. It turns out it was Leon, the one that got COVID. So this fight's off. This fight's not happening December 19th. The main event will be Wonder Boy versus Jeff Neal. I'm just disappointed because this was probably one of the better fights of the year, I think, especially the last fight of the year. So it sucks, but hopefully Leon uh, recovers really quick. Sounds like he's making an okay recovery. So I'd like to see that fight in January on Fight Island. But if that doesn't happen, there's this guy right here, Neil Magny. He's open to fighting Cam's on short notice. The problem is that card is full now, December 19th. That card's completely full of 15 fights. So that probably won't happen on that card. But, you know, if Leon is going to be out for a while, they can't just, like, have Cam's that sitting around. He's ready to go. Neil Magny's ready to go. You know, Neil is – I know he's not the most exciting guy. He's had some fights where he just kind of outpoints guys. I get that. But in general, he is one of the best welterweights in the world. And I feel like the UFC doesn't respect him as much as you should. He is ranked number nine in the world, though. That is a step up for Kamzat. Maybe the UFC thinks he'll run through Neil Magny. I'm not so sure. I think Neil Magny is a great fighter. I also think in a five-round fight, he's a very tough guy to beat. I mean, we've seen that, right? So to me, he's a dangerous guy. Uh, you know, if they did fight, I think Kamayev would be favored. You see him favored over Leon Edwards. There's no reason he wouldn't be over, over uh, Neil Magny. But Neil Magny is a guy who's pulled off many upsets in his career. Based on volume striking, based on great cardio, based on uh, uh, underrated wrestling game, based on underrated game, if he does get taken down the bottom, like the Johnny Hendricks fight, he's just a well-rounded guy. He really is. And uh, I, he looked outstanding against Robbie Lawler. I know Robbie Lawler's obviously an aging fighter. He's on the decline right now, but he looked good in that fight. And to me, 
you know, Neil's a guy that should get a little bit more respect. He wants to fight. He wants to get back in there. And I think Cam's that's a guy that uh, makes sense if the Leon Edwards fight doesn't happen. I actually suggested this fight after Cam's that beats Gerald Mearshart. I'm like, all right, if he's going to welterweight, Neil Magny's the guy. I've been pushing this fight myself, but hasn't happened. And Neil's just kind of sitting on the sidelines waiting for a fight. Don't know why it's taking so long for him to get booked. Some other news here. Khabib's just not interested in Connor and Dustin. I think that shouldn't be a surprise to anyone. Khabib's a very honorable guy. It's not just about money for him, and he already has enough money. So for him, it's like he needs someone that really deserves to be fighting for the belt to step across from him in the cage. He doesn't believe these guys deserve it right now. Connor obviously has coming off. Uh, he's coming off the win over Cowboy, and then Dustin's coming off the win over Hooker. I think the winner of this fight could still get that title shot just because of the name value, especially if it's Connor. Although I'm not writing Dustin Poirier off, you know, if, if you go to uh, odds.com, I, I'll show you guys later, but I had a, a breakdown of uh, the Connor and Poirier fight, like a look ahead. There are several advantages for Poirier in this fight. It's not the same fight as the first time where I had a big bet on uh, Connor. And I think I parlayed later with Katz and Gannon when she fought Man in New Year's and she was getting her ass kicked and came back and won in the third round. So that was six years ago. This is a, or seven years ago, actually. It'll be 2021 to 2014. So long time ago but uh yeah i mean khabib's just a man of honor he's he wants a guy who's deserving he thought justin was deserving i still think tony ferguson if he beats charles Oliveira, is right there i mean listen i know he's he had that beatdown loss to gaethje it was a bad loss but we have to keep it in perspective he was coming off a layoff he had back-to-back weight cuts because the other fight got canceled with khabib so to me like there are some reasons why he didn't look as good in that fight but you know if he goes out there and smashes Oliveira, i think khabib might be like you know what i want to fight tony ferguson i think i still think that's a fight the fans want to see but you know, definitely Connor Poirier, especially if Connor wins. You know, the UFC is going to try pushing that fight on us. Although I, I still think the uh, Ferguson fight's more exciting. Go to this one. Nick Diaz, his manager says 99% chance of him fighting in 2021. I believe actually James actually interviewed uh, his manager. So that's pretty cool. It was a good interview, James. Now, you know, this fight would be pretty good. I, I mean, not fight, I should say. It'd be, his return would be big. It'd be pretty good. I, I love Nick Diaz. Like, who doesn't like Nick Diaz, right? Like, he's, he's the man. So to me, it's like, I'd love to see him fight again, but you know, he hasn't fought since 2015. And before that it was what, 2012, um, man, man, you know, I, I love the guy. I just don't know what we can expect from him realistically. You know, I don't think it's going to be the same guy that it once was in Nick Diaz. He's still a great fighter. Love the guy, but I don't know if it's going to translate well to the octagon. You know, he might just be better off being like, like a mentor to guys at his camp like that. Uh, the guy that was on contender series a few weeks ago, that's going to go on tough guys like that, that look up to him and stuff like that. So that's a possibility here. Um, what else we got? Cody Garbrandt, man, he's just talking smack about Moreno. He thinks it's going to be a land led to the slaughterhouse. Yeah. I don't know about that. I mean, listen, Figueredo is the clear favorite in that fight. He should win that fight. I'll break it down. To, actually next week with Cole next Tuesday. Well, the fight's kind of quick, but uh, I don't know if it's going to be as big of a blowout as Cody's saying, although it seems like most people are, kind of in that boat right now. The line is minus 290 for Fig, plus 245 for Moreno, a.k.a. Mexican McLovin. That was a great story, too, this week. He wants to change his nickname to Mexican McLovin. I love it. This is another one that's worth talking about. Nico Price suspended, fined by uh, Nevada State Athletic Commission for marijuana use. Cowboy draw return. This is the dumbest thing I've ever heard. So stupid. Yeah, Nico Price, another guy's been suspended and fined for weed. So stupid. I think they find him like 8,500 too. That's an expensive joint or whatever he's using. Uh, this is dumb. I mean, you guys know my thoughts on this. I've been strong opponent of marijuana suspensions and fines. The fines especially. I mean, the suspensions are bad. Guys can't work. They can't make a living. But the fines are even worse. Like, there's no reason they should have taken money out of Nico Price's purse. 
you know, he's got like five kids. Like he needs that money. That's a joke. So I'm pissed off myself. I think a lot of people are angry about this. And the Cowboy fight, draw, return, no contest. It's the same as the Bigfoot Mark Hunt fight. Same thing happened. Bigfoot tested positive. Well, it wasn't for marijuana. He tested positive PDs. That's different. But it was a draw, overturn, no contest. So there's precedent for that. Um, by the way, I was thinking about that fight today. My God, that fight was amazing. Bigfoot versus Mark Hunt. If you've never seen that fight, that is one of the best fights of all time. It really is. I think 2013 in Australia or New Zealand. Can't remember. But it was an amazing fight. Now, this one, Roseanne Mignonis, the Lord's Prayer got me through Conor McGregor, bus tack. Jeez, as soon as I saw the headline for this one, I was like, oh, man read the comments just to see what people were saying. And, you know, 99% of the fans are just so disgusting and they're just going after Rose saying she's a wimp and she's not a real fighter. I mean, this is a former UFC champion. She's fighting literally the best people in the world and she beats most of them. This whole bus attack thing, listen, you know, maybe Michael Chiesa and the other people on the bus got over it faster than Rose, but it's not fair for people to, you know, accuse her of being like a wimp and stuff because of, her saying that she's been traumatized by the incident. I mean, it, it sounds traumatizing. Like, yeah, we know it's Connor now, but it was like a, what, a coked up Connor McGregor throwing something, throw that dolly through the bus window. Like that whole incident was crazy. It's actually nuts how, you know, two years later, Connor's like loved by everyone. And Rose is the one being hated. She didn't even do anything. She was sitting on the bus and some coked up crazy guy and Connor that day threw a dolly through her window. So to me, it's like, you know, I love Connor. He's a great fighter, man, but he was 100% the wrong that day. And Rose did nothing wrong. And for me, it's like, it's pretty disappointing to see the way some MMA fans are treating her right now based on these comments. She's just sharing her opinion on the story. Listen, maybe some other people get over incidents like that sooner, but for her, it was a traumatizing incident. And it must have been something that really shocked and surprised her. So, yeah, I mean, listen, it, it took her a while to get back in the octagon the first time after that incident. And she finally got back in there. She beat Andrade, uh, and then well, she lost to her first, and then she beat her. But you know, hopefully, she's able to get past this and, and move on with her career. Because you know, the one thing I'll say about this is it seems like she's kind of still focused on this, and she really needs to move on. But at the same time, I don't think it's fair for people to say like you know because she got so traumatized by this incident that it means she's not like a real fighter. You know, this is a former UFC champion, like literally one of the best fighters in the world, one of the best women's fighters of all time. And people are saying she's a wimp. I, I, it really doesn't make sense. Like, people are such dicks. All right. Demetrius Johnson responded to Israel Adesanya's GOAT comment. Yeah, I, I think that Izzy said that uh, Demetrius is the GOAT. You know, I don't agree with it, man. I never thought he was. Like, listen, he is a great fighter, too, and, and he was especially amazing. Like, I'm going to look at his record right now, Demetrius Johnson. It's it's really good. Don't get me wrong. It's it's great. What is it? 33-1. and one. Great record, you know, and he has some amazing wins and he didn't have that many losses, three losses in his career. I get that, but I just think, you know, and he did fight the best guys. He beat all the best guys at 125. Don't get me wrong. He had all this title defense. He was amazing. He wasn't as appreciated as he should be and he still isn't as appreciated as he should be. And also, you know, he hasn't fought in over a year now. That's that's crazy. That, that actually is nuts to me. Like one can't get, can, can they not get this guy to fight? I guess COVID restrictions are, are kind of denying that for happening, but I'd like to see him fight again. But honestly, guys, like, Demetrius is great, but I never had him in my go talk. Like, I would say, you know, he's definitely that border. Like, I'd say probably top 10. I think most people would say that, like, bottom end of the top 10. I never had him as the number one guy. I never had him in the top three or top five. Never for me. You know, for me, it's guys like Jones, GSP, um, Anderson Silva, guys like that. And I understand they had some, obviously, some PED issues, some of those guys. But those guys, to me, were the best fighters I've seen, pound for pound. Uh, and, and, and the go talks, Fedor's up there too, I think. Uh, Although his career obviously is a little tainted, same with Anderson. But 
But Demetrius Johnson, you know, he's, he's definitely top 10 for sure. I think now that I think about it, he's definitely the bottom end of the top 10, though. I would never put him in the top five just because I think that beating guys, like if you look at GSP and Joneses, like the guys they fought, and I understand the weight class is different, just such better, more dangerous and violent fighters than the guys Demetrius fought. You know, he's, he's a great fighter, though. I'm glad that Izzy gained some shine. But to me, it's just I don't really see his resume holding the same weight as these other guys. Seems like Ben Askren and Jake Paul like are interested in the fight. I mean, they're just talking smack. Like I, I don't know. Ben Askren is saying he might come back. He had hip surgery. I don't really see it, but again, you know, I've always said this: like MMA retirements never last. They never last. They usually last like what a year or two. They very rarely last forever. So Ben Askren, he could fight again. I, I just don't know about this fight with Jake Paul. The other question is like, is he even released from the UFC? I know he retired, but is his contract still tolling? And if that's the case, would the UFC let him go to like a boxing promotion or, or to the zone and fight Jake Paul? I don't know if they would. So I, I think this is just a lot of smack talk. I mean, it's good for the clicks. Obviously, Tom wrote that story. I'm sure it did well. But for me, it's like, it's just a no, it's just not happening. Ben Asker might fight again. I just don't think it'd be against something like that. I, I think more realistically, Dylan Dennis is a more realistic option, which is another fight Jake Paul is calling up. But both of them are kind of silly. Also, I saw Logan Paul. He was talking about Vander Kane, who obviously called out his brother. He's just like, who's a Vander Kane? I've never heard of him. Like, listen, I understand. Actually, a lot of comments were like that. And same with Ryan Reese. People are like, who are these guys? These guys are like like some of the best enforcers in hockey. And I understand hockey, is the, the fighting in that sport is not even comparable to what MMA fighters do. But, you know, there is some crossover there, obviously. And a lot of these guys do train boxing. Vander Kane trained boxing growing up. Ryan Reeves, I think, trained boxing too. So, you know, people saying they've never heard of these guys, they're, they're just ignorant. You just look ignorant when you're like, I don't know who Evander Kane is. You look ignorant. You don't look smart. You don't look cool when you say, I don't know who these guys are. You know, it takes one second to Google and be like, oh, he's one of the best, like, power forwards in the NHL. That makes sense. Oh, Ryan Reeves, one of the best enforcers. Like, people saying that they don't know who these guys are, That's that just shows your ignorance. It's not, like, the other way around. Anyways, uh, Charles Oliveira, man, he, he says he's going to finish Tony Ferguson, guys. I mean, this fight's coming up next week. This fight's so sick. I love this matchup. Great fight. I'm not sure. I mean, the odds are pretty tight right now. Let me take a look. It was really tight the last time I looked. Minus uh, one. Where is it here? Minus 170. Okay, it went up a bit. Minus 170 for Ferguson. Deep Bronx plus 150. Yeah. I think it opened at minus 130 plus 110. So the odds obviously are coming. The money's coming on Tony. And that makes sense, I think. I think Tony should be favored in this fight. Don't get me wrong. Charles can win. He's great. And he's looked amazing in stand-up lately. And, I mean, geez, after Ferguson's last fight, like, maybe his chin's gone. Like, we have no idea, really. But I still think on paper he should be favored just because I think Tony's more well-rounded and dangerous. And Charles Oliveira, as good as he's looked lately, the competition has not been there. Let's be honest, guys. Like, Nick Lance, Jared Gordon, these guys are decent fighters that are hanging in the UFC, but they're not even close to the level of caliber of competition that Tony Ferguson is. It's a big step up for Charles Oliveira. I'm not sure if he passed the test, but, I mean, if he does, he'd be right there for a title shot. I'm going to pass on that one. This one, uh, Zombie wants to beat. Uh, it's still a great fight. He says it's going to be an amazing fight for the fans. I agree with him. I mean, it'd be a great fight. But if yours a beat, it's like, at, okay, I'll say this about Zombie. I love the guy. He should have been probably next to the title shot. But at this point, he hasn't fought in over a year since he beat Cater. Now Cater's the one fighting Holloway. And Zabi keeps basically waiting for this fight with, with the IR to be rebooked. And now Dana White's saying there's an issue. So it looks like Zabi's going to have to fight someone else. If that's the case, then this fight makes sense. Even though Zombie's ranked five and Zabi's three, it's still a great fight. The guys ranked above Zabi right now are booked. You're going to have Volkanovski fighting Ortega, and then Holloway is fighting Cater, who's actually ranked below Zabi. If Cater goes in there and beats Holloway, he basically steals Zabi's spot in the rankings, and Zabi beat him a year ago. So it just shows that it's it's 
you know, head to head wins are so important, but staying active is so important in the sport. And in this case, the beat, it's like, it's not his, it's not really his fault that Yair pulled out twice for this fight. They were supposed to fight in August and in uh, October. Yair's the one he pulled out. But when that happened, his manager, Ali Abdelaziz, should have been like, all right, let's find someone else to do the fight because he shouldn't stay busy at this point. You know, I don't think the UFC is going to refuse to book him. They'll give him a fight if he wants it, but he's going to have to fight someone lower ranked because there's no one ranked uh, above. Here's the file talk on a second. Same with that one. Let's see. That's another fight. I think I might just go to the fight analysis right now. I believe I got all the news. Actually, this is what I want to talk about quickly. Man, this was a great article over at AG Fight. They did a really good interview with Francisco Figueredo. Honestly, man, this was a very moving story for me, you know, and it made me feel honestly the same way I was reading about him. I felt like I, I, I was writing myself when I was reading the story. Basically, he said was, it's a dream come true to fight with his brother in the UFC. He's been training and fighting as a pro for 11 years. He said there was many times where, where he thought that he should give up, but he never gave up and he kept pushing. And now he's in the UFC and now his brother's champion. He's going to join his brother in the UFC. And he said, you know, his, his family, his grandfather was so important to him. And, and they always pushed him to keep going, even when he thought that he couldn't do it anymore. And uh, honestly, I, I felt kind of similar and not, I'm not a fighter, but just my, my, my journey in MMA, because there's been times where it looked like it wasn't going to go well. And, and now it's going really well, but it, I've been in here for 10 years too. So actually I felt a little bit of a similarity when I was reading the story. It was a really good interview from AG fight with Francisco. I can't wait to see him fight. And by the way, he actually is a bantam weight, but he's dropping the flyweight to fight in the UFC. So they'll be fighting in the same division. That's pretty cool, man. Um, basically like the Shevchenko sisters, but these guys are, I think, a little bit more violent and dangerous. Shevchenko sisters are great. Don't get me wrong. But Davison and Francisco Figueredo, that's going to be interesting. Maybe they'll do a tag team match in the future. Who knows? Um, I, oh, so I want to plug this interview because John uh, Cope, he's great. And I had him on the podcast a few months ago. He's awesome. He had a really good interview for Bruce Overdue, and basically he explained the secret to fighting his 40s. And of course, all the comments were like, oh, Tanian Horstein and PDs and all this stuff. But no, he was saying like, it's just training smarter and, and you know, not going too hard by training every day, continuing to train, but just being careful in the gym. And, you know, I think that's that's good advice because you look at the early days of MMA, and I think Verdun probably was part of that. Like, guys used to go all out and try and knock each other out, especially like some of these gyms like uh, the Pat Militich gym. Uh, way back in the day, like those guys killed each other in the gym, like, like Robbie Lawler, Matt Hughes, all those guys. So, you know, I think for doing, and just the sport in general now, like, you know, in 2020, they realize, Hey, you don't need to knock each other out in sparring, uh, before a fight, you know, it's not the best idea. So it's training smart. It's training hard too. That's going to be it. I think, uh, for the news. Yeah, that's pretty much it. Let's go to uh, Marcel's page. Let's do some fighting nonsense guys. Some good ones here. A lot of fights to talk about. All right, let's start with this one. Leroy Murphy versus Douglas Silva D'Andrade. This is a good fight. Okay, this is on the Wednesday card, January 20th. That's Wednesday on Fight Island. Man, great fight. Love this fight. Leroy Murphy's a guy I'm really high on. In his last fight, he knocked out Ricardo Ramos. I had him as a dog in that fight. Man, he looked good in that fight. Douglas Silva D'Andrade is a fun fighter too. He also has a, this awesome haircut. Love his haircut. Um, he is, I don't know what his last fight was. Let me double check. But I mean, this guy has been in there with some some really good fighters and beat them. He's an underrated guy. Douglas Silva Andrade. He's coming off a win over Hen Barrow. Actually, okay, I remember that fight. I bet on him there. Yeah, that was over a year ago, though. So he's coming off a little bit of a layoff, but this guy's good, man. He's got a win over Marlon Vera as well. Four and three in the UFC. Solid, solid fighter. Well, Leon Murphy, I, you know, he's a little bit younger, I believe. 891 to 85. Um, don't have the physical stats here right now, but uh, 
you know, my lean would obviously be a little bit towards Murphy in this fight. I just think DeAndre is an underrated guy in general, though. So, you know, tread carefully on this one. But Leon Murphy is going to be favored in this fight, no doubt about it, especially after knocking Ramos. We'll see what the odds come out as. But it's cool that we actually have some fights being announced for that card. Again, no main event for that card yet, guys. But if I had to guess, it's going to be Kamayev Edwards or Lewis Blades because those fights got canceled recently and they were both supposed to be main events. I, I just – I really – Scratched my head when I saw this matchup. It just—it's such a weird fight. Um, I don't get it. I want to see what the comments say. Oh, people are like, okay, weird, interesting matchup. Yeah, that's actually—I agree completely with what this dude said. It's not a bad fight. I mean, Morono's an exciting guy. He's always pushing forward. He's coming off a decent win in his last fight over Reese McKee. He just kept pushing forward and stuff. But this is a huge step up, man. Like he's fighting Anthony Pettis, a former champion in the UFC, number twelve in the world at welterweight. I know Anthony has struggled. He has, and coming off—he's coming off a win over. Um, Donald Cerrone at UFC 249 by decision. But before that, he got destroyed by Carlos Diego Ferrer. Like, it was a it was a beatdown. That was at 155. I think 170 is going to be his weight class going forward. He talked about that when he announced his fight with ESPN. Basically, he said, you know, for me, I'm more mentally prepared. I'm ready to go. And, and the weight, not having to cut all the weights, helping me train and become a better mixed martial artist. So I think 170 is going to be a spot going forward. Don't forget, guys, it was just last year that he knocked out Stephen Thompson, who's ranked, like, what, fifth in the world? So... You know, it's not that long ago that Anthony Pettis knocked out Thompson, and it was two years ago where he submitted Michael Chiesa. So, and, and four years ago when he beat uh, Charles Oliveira. I mean, this guy's a beast. He's a beast, but he is inconsistent. He does get finished quite a bit too. His body's just not the same as it once was. It can't take the punishment. But overall, I mean, he is super talented. He is the more talented guy. There's no doubt about it. You compare Anthony Pettis to Morono. Anthony Pettis, hands down, more talented, skilled fighter. But you know, he is. He's a little bit older than Morono, three years older, and he's taking way more damage. Morono has taken some damage too but not to the extent Anthony Pettis says. You know, I, I still think Anthony's going to be favored in this one, guys, but uh, yeah, I don't know. I got a comment from my boy here, Matt Hayes. Why are you such a beauty? Why are you such a beauty, Matt? I went to school with Matt in 2011, Matt. Matt's working at Sportsnet now. He's kicking ass, working with, with our boy J.D. Bunkus there, and really good to talk to Matt lately. He's been hitting me up about some fights and stuff like that, and we've been doing pretty well together, giving us some good winners lately. So not always, but for the most part, I think, Matt, you've been doing pretty well. So Thanks for joining me today, man. I appreciate that, man. Much love, bro. All right, this one. Max Griffin versus Kenan Song. I like this fight, too. This is a good fight. March 20th, that's way out. I don't know where that card's going to be. Probably in Vegas. Maybe it's a Fight Island card. At this point, they can't really book fights outside of Vegas or Fight Island. But uh, great fight. Max Griffin coming off that win over Rubies Brahmas where he ripped his ear off. It was just a devastating knockout. Uh, well, TKO, I should say. And then Kenan Song, man, he's had some good wins as well in the UFC. Some nice knockouts. This is a great fight, man. Kenneth Song is underrated. Max Griffin's a guy who's been inconsistent, but he looked good in his last fight. I think he's probably more well-rounded, you know, but Kenneth Song's got a lot of power. Tons. This is a close fight. I really could see it going either way. This fight, Alexis Davis versus Sabina Maslow. Yeah, this is basically Maslow's chance to jump in the top 10, I guess it is. Let me check where Davis is ranked. She was ranked pretty high at 125. I mean, she hasn't fought in forever, Alexis Davis. She might have been dropped out. She dropped out. No, she's ranked number 13, and Maslow's not ranked. Okay, so it's it's a chance for Maslow getting the rankings. Now, I want to look at Davis's record. She hasn't fought in a long time. Uh, her last fight, UFC 2-4 against Vivian Araujo, she lost decision. She's actually lost three straight fights, but, you know, this is a fighter that has some good wins, Alexis Davis. She's a Canadian fighter, and uh, I've been following her career for many, many years. And she has some good wins in her career in the UFC, too. And in just in her career in general, she knocked out Manu Yuez in 2011. It's a long time ago. She knocked her out. Go watch that fight. She she knocks her out good. 
she beats some other good fighters like I, Carmouche, Kaufman. Like she has some decent wins. So, you know, it's a it's a good step up, I think, for Mazo. But Mazo way younger, 97 compared to 84, 13 year age advantage. I again I have to look at the physical stats, but I know that Mazo has a really long reach and she's looked good in the UFC, man. She's made me a lot of money so far. Uh, you know, she's always like a short favorite. I like her here. I, I definitely think she should be favored in this fight. If the line's close, I would hammer it. I think she wins for sure. You know, spoiler alert, because I want to break down this fight in February 27th. That's another card that I guess was just announced. But uh, yeah. Oh, by the way, the March 6th card. Just, okay, that's March 20th. But the March 6th card, that's a pay-per-view. It's UFC 259, I think. UFC 258 is in February and 259 is in March. I think that's going to be Stipe and uh, Francis, the rematch. This fight's another head-scratcher a little bit. February 20th, Alexi Olenek against Chris Dawkins. Kind of a weird fight because Olenek's ranked really high. I'm going to pull the rankings out one more time. Again, I don't like the rankings. I just use them as kind of reference. Um, Olenek right now, number 10 in the world. Dawkins obviously not ranked. I'm surprised Alexi took this fight, honestly, because you know he's got so much to lose here and nothing to gain when you think about it. I mean, Dawkins, listen, he looked good in his debut against Parker Porter and also the Rodrigo Massimento fight. So he's got two wins, I think, now. Um, the Porter fight, especially though, is super impressive. And you know the thing is, uh, you know, for that fight, especially after seeing Porter last week, where he basically dominated his, his opponent in uh, Josh Parisian, you know that that win looks better. And the Nascimento win's not bad either. So I, I like this guy, man. I really do. And the last fight, he looked in way better shape against Nascimento. Like he had lost a lot of weight. I you can look at his stomach. So you can see the stretch marks right there. I mean, this guy is obviously has had some weight fluctuations. I, I really do wonder, like, can he make it to 205? Because he didn't weigh in that much in his last fight. I think he was, what, 230 or something? Like, this is a guy that could cut weight, but I guess he prefers to be, like, a faster heavyweight. He obviously has a lot of power. He's going to need it here against Olnick because his path to victory is to KO Olnick probably in the first round, whereas Olnick's going to look to close a distance, grapple, get the takedown. This is a tough fight, guys, honestly, because Olnick's chin is just really not that good. Um, but Dawkins is, like, he's just very untested at this level of, of opposition. So... You know, this is the UFC saying, hey, you know what, Chris? Let's see how good you are. You're going to fight a top 10 guy in the world. I, I'm just I'm just surprised Olenek took this fight. I mean, obviously, he wants to get back in there, but there are other guys in the top 15 that were without opponents uh, that he could have fought instead. So I'm a little surprised by that. By the way, I'm looking at the rankings. How is Shamil Abdurahimov ranked number eight in the world? Are you kidding me? Who does these rankings? That guy never fights. How is he ranked number eight in the world? What the hell? I don't get that. I'm not saying Olenek's an amazing fighter, but you probably should rank above Abdurahimov. I'm just looking at the top 15. It's really – after the top six, seven, eight guys, it's like a huge drop-off in heavyweight. Like, you know, there's a bunch of guys that shouldn't be there. Although, you know, one guy like Cyril Gaon, if he beats JDS, he'll move up and, and bounce out some other guys in the rankings. So we'll see what happens. But, yeah, I mean, I like that Dawkins is getting this fight. Like, I like the fact that the UFC is like, let's see what you got. But I'm just surprised Olenek took it. I really am. Next one. This is a really good fight, too. Warley Alvarez against Christian Aguilar. I love this fight. Both guys are just studs at times, but obviously they've both been finished a few times. Warley Alvarez, man, I used to love this guy when he went Ultimate Fighter Brazil 3, I think it was. Yeah, middleweight. He was incredible. He had some nice wins in his first bunch of fights. Like, he beats uh, Leo Machida Jr., whatever they call him, and then he beats Alan Jaban. Beats Nordian Talab. Beats Colby Covington by stoppage. So he had that win, and then since then he's, he's struggled four Three and four in his last seven fights, coming off a submission loss to Randy Brown. But it was just last year, I was in Brazil for that fight when he knocked out Marias. I was right in that part of the cage, sitting by it. And man, it was a nasty knockout. I think it was an uppercut or something. It was a nasty KO. So he still got power, but obviously, you look at his, if you look at his record, it's concerning to see how many losses he had lately. But again, you know, he lost to Usman. There's no shame in that. James Cross is pretty good. Randy Brown's not bad. Brian Barberini's not bad. So 
he's using those guys that you know are kind of at the same level as him and and, and that's a little concerning against Christian Aguilera who I know he's coming off the loss to Sean Brady in his last fight but before that he had that nasty knockout win over Anthony Ivey in his debut and it's a guy with a lot of finishing ability they call him the beast for a reason so to me you know this is a pretty competitive fight uh, I think it really could go either way, January 16th. So again, it's the Holloway cater card. I think Christian Aguilera might be favored here just because he's been more active and a little bit more impressive, even with despite the last loss. But it, it should be really competitive odds. And Alvis can win this fight. It's a close fight. I love this fight too. It's a rematch, by the way. Carlos Diego Ferreira against Benil Darius. These guys fought in 2014. And uh, I think Darius won the decision. So it's it's been a while since they fought. And, uh, man, I love both these guys. Like, this is a great fight. You know, I'm a little surprised they booked the rematch, but I think it's justified. And I think the winner for sure, you know, gets that big step up. You look at these guys' resumes, and it's it just – it's really impressive. Dariush, he, he's, he's such a good fighter, man. I love watching him fight. And Dariush right now, 13-4-1 in the UFC. And he's been he's been money. He's been a winner. And he has some great wins. He's actually on a five-fight win streak right now. He knocked out Scott Holtzman in his last fight with spinning back fist. Jakar Close, that was a sick fight earlier this year. A forgotten fight, one of the better fights this year. I think it was on the same card as yeah, Zhang and uh, Zhang and on Jacek, but that was an incredible fight. Camacho, Dober. I mean, he has some good wins. Like Dober's ranked high now, too. And you look back at even an earlier run in the UFC, he had some nice wins over guys like uh, Michael Johnson, Jim Miller, Diego Ferreira, Anthony Walker Martin. So he's a really, really solid fighter. I mean, but he has been finished a few times and I, I think if Ferrer's going to win this fight, he's probably going to stop him with, a, with punches and a KO. Um, look at Ferrer's record. He, he only has three knockouts in his career, but two of them, uh, actually all three of them come to the UFC. So he has three KO wins in the UFC. He's coming off a win over Anthony Pettis. He's on a six-fight win streak right now with some nice wins over Tyson Mob, Havilov. This is a great fight. I love this matchup. Um, I don't think there's odds out, but man, man, that's going to be a great fight, guys. Um, I'm excited about it, but I still... Think I got to favor Ferreira really slightly, and I know Benny won the first fight, but I I've been a little bit higher on Carlos lately, or Diego, whatever you want to call him. He's been a little bit, I think, sharper lately because I know Darius has those wins that win streak, but some of those fights were kind of dicey. And if he does the same thing with Ferreira, like if he gets into a firefight like he did with uh, Close, he could get KO'd this time. It looked like he, Close was going to knock him out in the last fight, that fight. So. Um, my slight lean is towards Ferrer, but it's a close fight. I can't wait for this one. It's going to be an awesome fight. What else do we got here? Cole just sent me a tweet. Cole always sends them to me. I never check him until the show's over. I wanted to make sure he didn't send one to me today, and he did. So thank you, Cole. And he says Francisco Figueredo is going to fight on January 20th. That's the Wednesday card in, in Fire Island against Jerome Rivera. So that's a breaking news fight there. Love that fight. Jerome Rivera. Uh, contender series guy and obviously francisco figueredo davis's brother brother and i can't wait to watch him fight so a great fight thanks cole for saying that to me i think i already talked about this one jockery and soza and uh kevin holland so we know the odds for this holland's a favorite right now but it's a great fight what else we got here randy costa trevor jones i love this fight too this is a great fight march 6 so that's at ufc 259 wow what a great fight randy costa has been money in the ufc man the last fight against uh with jeremy newsome I think he was a dog in that fight. You know, me and Cole had him. I think a lot of people cleaned up on Randy in that fight. Two and one down the UFC, back-to-back knock wins over Boston Salmon and Jordan Usom. Does have a submission loss to Brandon Davis, but overall, I mean, this guy, is he's been impressive as heck in the UFC. Six and one record. And you look at Trevin Jones, man, he looked – it was an interesting fight, I'll say that. 12 and six for him. They call him five-star. 
you know, going into that fight with Tamir Valley, not many people thought he was going to win that fight. And he was getting absolutely tooled in that fight, just destroyed, just taking body shots like crazy in that first round. But Valley of Gases, and then Jones knocks him out in the second round. Problem was, he tested positive for weed, so it's not considered a win anymore. It's a no contest. I still feel like it's a win in my book. This is a crazy fight. I mean, this one can go either way. Honestly, I have no idea who they favor at the sports book. Probably Costa. He's been a little more flashier, but, you know, Trevor Jones is super dangerous. And again, got a lot of respect for a guy that can come back from the beating he took and won that fight, the last one. This is also a really good fight. Euros Menich. This is the guy I keep talking about. I keep saying I forget his name. This is the dude. Euros Menich. Uh, he's a contender series guy. He looked incredible in his fight against Mikey Gonzalez. Just destroyed him. Overall, 6-0 with six stoppage wins. A lot of us, including myself, had questions going into his uh, contender series debut just based on a low-level competition in Alaska FC. But, man, he, he really shut us up. Takes on Elon Cruz, 8-3 record. Elon Cruz coming off. Uh, lost to Spike Carlisle by knockout. But he did have a win over uh, Steve Wynn on contender series by knockout last year. So he hasn't fought in a while, unfortunately. But, uh, you know, I, I feel like this is the UFC setting up manager. The guy that can be finished in Cruz, he's coming off a finish in his last fight. He's lost three times in his career by finish. So I definitely think you've got a favorite manager in this fight. And we know that fight, obviously. Uh, I don't. I think I talked about this fight last week already. Um, can't remember, but... This is a good fight too. Michael Johnson, Clay Guida. Michael Johnson, you know, he's inconsistent. I think that's a really good way to put it. You look at his record. He's 35, 34 years old now. He's coming off three losses, actually. He's actually lost six of his last eight fights. Um, and the, the fight with Tiago Moises, he's winning that fight and then gets heel hooked and loses. The Stevie Ray fight's a fight he should have won. He lost the decision. And the Josh Evan fight, he was winning that fight, got KO'd. So, you know, I think 155 is the right move for him. 145 is not a good weight class for him, but. I don't know, man. I mean, listen, Michael Johnson, the guy that's been around forever too. You know, he's been around for a long time, since 2010. And uh, it's a guy that's had a lot of kind of ups and downs in his career. But at times he can be amazing because you look at his resume, he's, he's the weirdest guy, man, because he has some losses that are so awful, like raising Madotti. I remember betting on Madotti in that fight. He was like plus 300. I remember that one. Again, winning that fight comes back and Madotti wins in the third round. Or Paul Sass, a guy you should have beaten. Or, or Tiago Moises, a guy you should have beaten. And then you look at some of the wins he has. Dustin Poirier knocked him out. That was shocking to me. Tony Ferguson beat him by decision. Edson Barboza beat him by decision. So he has some incredible wins, but some really bad losses. So just a weird fighter. And kind of Clay Guida's, in, the, in some regards, the same way. I mean, Clay Guida's also a veteran. He's been around for 14 years in the UFC. And you've got to respect him. Clay Guida, 35 and 20 record in his career. Again, been around forever. And, and same kind of thing. Like he has some incredible wins. Like Rafael Desanos, Nate Diaz, Anthony Pettis. Guys like that, BJ Penn, um, some really nice wins. Josh Thompson. We know he's been around forever. We know who Clay is and what he does. He likes to grind you out. But it's a guy who's been finished <laughs> 10 times by submission. He's been finished 12 times in his career. And he's coming off back-to-back losses to Jim Miller and Bobby Green. Um, yeah, I don't know, guys. This is a weird fight. But you know, stylistically, if, if, if Michael Johnson can stuff the takedowns like Bobby Green did, he's going to win this fight. I think that's it. Maybe there's one more. I talked about that last week. Okay, so that's it for fight announcements. If anyone's any last second questions, throw them in there. Let me see if there's any other news that I missed here. DJ Penn. Oh, I think I got everything, though. Um, <laughs> didn't see this. This is Tom just posted this. RDA says he had Khabib snoring with a choke. That fight was a blowout for Habib. That was in 2014. And it's weird because the next year RDA actually won the belt against Pettis because Habib missed that whole year with a, it was a torn ACL. But that was a that was 3027, if I'm not mistaken. Now I want to just promote this quickly. Odds.com. You go here, you go to the UFC, 
page. There's my article right here. Actually, it's on the front page. There it is. But it's three reasons Conor McGregor will lose it to Dustin Poirier at UFC 257. Um, you know, this is definitely a fight I'm still looking at. I'm not saying I'm going to pick Poirier straight up. I don't really know yet, to be honest with you. But I talked about a few things in here, like Poirier being the more proven guy at lightweight. He is. He's fought way more times at lightweight. Conor's only fought, what, twice at lightweight. So, you know, Poirier's fought many more times there. Uh, Poirier's been way more active. You know that. And Poirier's more well-rounded. So, Definitely worth checking out this article, I think. Uh, you know, I think my article so far would be pretty sweet here at uh, Odds. And I have some other ones dropping this week, some boxing ones. So definitely check that out. Anyways, I think that's going to be it for today's podcast, guys. I don't really have anything else to talk about. I talked for like 50 minutes on myself. So that's going to be it for today's show. I uh, appreciate anyone who did tune in today for the podcast. I'll be back on Tuesday morning at 10 a.m. with Cole right here on the MMA Odds Breaker YouTube channel to break down UFC 256. And also talk about all the latest news in the world of MMA. So definitely check it out next Tuesday. For now, I hope you guys have a great weekend. And again, if you missed Tuesday's podcast, we broke down the entire card this weekend. Definitely check it out. You can find this podcast, MMAOddsBreaker.com, our YouTube channel, Spotify, iTunes, Anchor. Everywhere you can find podcasts, you'll find this one. And uh, that's it for today's show, guys. So I appreciate you tuning in. And I'll be back on Tuesday. Have a good one, everyone.